0: But first we start with a busy holiday weekend for Vancouver police. More than twelve hundred calls in less than two days. Yet dozens of calls for dangerous weapons, assaults, stabbings. One person shot with a crossbow. Let's check in with Steve Addison now, spokesperson for the Vancouver Police Department. Constable, thanks for coming on today. Hey Mike, no problem. Okay, let's start with uh, how crazy this got on the weekend. It was this, like, unusually busy? Yeah, it was a really tough weekend for everybody, not just for
1: police, but for uh, for the entire city, um, particularly in the downtown east side. Uh, lots of um, very volatile, in-progress calls involving weapons, uh, probably the worst of which happened in Crab Park overnight, uh, early morning Saturday, where we had... Um, a man who was um, essentially moving around within the, the homeless encampment there, um, uh, actively stabbing people, uh, three people to hospital, serious injuries. We believe there's likely more people who fled the park uh, before police arrived. On top of that, uh, well, we were actually there the following n- night as well for another report of somebody with a knife uh, and bear spray. spray. Um, but on top of that, yeah, on Hastings Street within the encampment, we responded to... Uh, Uh, an incident involving a man who was shot square in the chest with a crossbow or an arrow from a crossbow, Um, somebody who was uh, brandishing a weapon, dousing uh, tents in gasoline, and then just yesterday we arrested somebody with a loaded 9mm uh, pistol um, riding a bike uh, along East Hastings Street, so it's a situation that is uh, has been building throughout the summer. It's uh, reaching a, uh, it's reached a bit of a tipping point here, and the level of violence that we've seen in that neighborhood in particular is, is extremely extremely concerning.
0: Okay, let's unpack a few of these. Though so you mentioned the stabbing spree that happened at Crab Park, can you go in a little more detail on that? Like, is this is the suspect there? Was the suspect living in the park, or is this someone from outside? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, so we believe that the suspect and the three victims who went to hospital were all residents within the crowd Park encampment. And this is a large encampment that's been a, it been down there on the waterfront for uh, for a number of months. And um, basically how it went down is we had police officers who were patrolling in the area uh, not far away, and they were approached uh, by two people who were fleeing the park who were badly injured, who um, had, to, had told, told them that they'd been attacked by a, a man with a knife. Around that same time, got a 911 call from somebody in the encampment um, who described a person as being on a stabbing spree. So, um, of course, we that was active, active uh, very active volatile situation, active deadly threat. We moved our officers in immediately, uh, including our emergency response team. We were able to arrest the suspect as he was trying to leave the encampment. And we also found another person, a third person in there, who was uh, very seriously injured. One of five stabbings that happened um, in uh, about a 16-hour period um, in a very small area in the downtown east side on Saturday.
0: Speaking to Sergeant Steve Addison, Vancouver Police Department, let's talk a little bit about some of the weapons calls that police received on the weekend. i am gonna play a short clip here from, this is Constable David Steverding, who is a downtown Eastside beat cop with Vancouver Police. And here he is in a, a video describing some of the weapons that are being found down in the neighborhood. Then I'll get your thoughts. Weapon. I'd never seen crossbows
2: working down here in my first tour from 2006 to 2014, but in the last year we recovered two small crossbows as well as a lot of uh, bolts to go with them. Weapons that are concealed by design, but also uh, prohibited, uh, such as a cane sword that we recovered this past year. Conducted energy weapons, stun guns, if you'd rather call them that.
0: Okay, so he describes here some of the weapons that have been seized down in the neighborhood, including, you know, this is a guy who's been down in that neighborhood for a long time as a police officer, and he said he hadn't really seen many crossbows down there, but now they seem to be popping up with more frequency, and now we get this guy shot with a crossbow on the weekend. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so um, Constable Stevering's worked down there for about 14 years. He's one of the most experienced officers that we have down there, and uh, what he's talking about there is the number of real Imitation improvised weapons that our officers are seeing more and more of in that neighborhood um yeah, knives are one thing uh guns are one thing um but we're also seeing uh improvised weapons uh, just recently, we arrested a man who was brandishing a piece of rebar and threatening to kill people um imitation weapons that are used in uh in violent offenses pulling um uh, loaded uh like i say a loaded firearm off a off a guy. Uh, on Hastings Street yesterday, so um, yeah. the volume of weapons there um, um, is extremely concerning, and it's it's you know it's it's a neighborhood that where there's a lot of you know a, a lot of the headlines are about the, the tents and some of the the more visible issues, but. You gotta remember in that neighborhood, there's a lot of um vulnerable people there that you don't hear about that don't get the headlines. I'm talking about the working poor, the pensioners, the shut-ins, the people who yeah. hey that's their lot in life and they're there because they're trying to make a go of it and they've got nowhere else to uh, to be and uh, when we see this level of violence and these kind of weapons so prevalent in the neighborhood it's uh, it causes a, a big concern just for for those you know those vulnerable people who are just trying to make a go of it in a in a tough neighborhood.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point because there may be a perception that everything is related to homelessness and and brutal drug addiction on the street and mental health on the street. Like, there are a lot of people who live in that neighborhood because that's the only, maybe that's the only place they can afford. Uh, there are people who are trying to run businesses down there. I mean, this is just, it's it's a neighborhood of very diverse people. So, and, and- yeah, go ahead.
1: And, Mike, the, the problems in that neighbourhood are not contained to the small radius of uh, the encampment. We're seeing it spill over into Chinatown, well documented. We're seeing it spilling mm-hmm. over into Gastown, where we've got now cruise ship passengers who are, who are coming back into town. Um, we're seeing it spill over into other neighbourhoods in East Vancouver, in the downtown core. Um, so to, 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 to think that it's just isolated to a few square blocks um, is, uh, is just it's not the case.
0: Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. Where do we go from here? Like the 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 order to remove the tents on Hastings Street has been around for months. Will that ever be enforced, or is that just been given? Are we just giving up on that now? Well, that's that's a housing issue. Um, Our
1: our lane is public safety. We will continue to respond to violent crime. Nine hundred and eleven calls help people in need, arrest offenders, um, people living in tents. Um, that's a housing issue. City Hall is working with it. The fire department is working with that. Um, but we will continue to have our presence in the neighborhood to combat uh, the safety issues that are that are plaguing that neighborhood and, and putting people in danger. We're not going anywhere, uh, and we'll continue to we'll continue to do our job uh, in that neighborhood like we always have. Thanks for coming on today. Yep, you bet, Mike.
0: Yeah, you just heard the description of the mayhem we saw on the weekend once again here uh, from Constable Steve Addison, Vancouver Police Department. The multiple stabbings, assaults, weapons calls that police received on the weekend, including the guy who was shot with a crossbow. Let's discuss it further now with my guest, Arazu Zarabian. Arzu is a longtime senior crime analyst with the VPD for the last 13 years. Arzu, thank you for coming on today.
3: Thank you for having me, Mike.
0: Okay, when we listen, we cover these issues a lot on the show and we hear a lot about these crime trends and it it sounds it sounds terrible. Is it as bad as it sounds? Like is it getting worse? Is this the worst it's ever been?
3: I will say based on the analysis that I've seen in my 13-year career and I've worked in numerous neighborhoods of Vancouver, South Vancouver, the last 5 years I was the analyst in charge of Downtown Vancouver. Um, this is by far the worst we've seen for violent crime increases in double digits. So when I talk about violent crime, I'm talking about sex assaults, assaults of all levels, and robberies with firearms, and just robberies such as strong arming where someone gets pushed on the street and has their purse or uh, satchel snatched. So we're seeing double digit increases, and this is something that um, a lot of our analysis and analysts have been talking about over the last two years. And some uh, sometimes you know we've been accused of fear mongering, but the stats are there; they do not lie. And I yeah. can just speak on the summer stats. We saw double digit increases in, um, just from July to July previous. So if we compare 2022 to 2021, we saw a 20 percent increase in assaults. We saw a 56 percent increase in robberies. We saw a 13 percent increase in sex assaults. And I also like to add when we see these increases. There's the dark figure of crime, which a lot of people may not understand, which is the incidents that are not reported to police. That's the data that we don't have. But when you look at social media and you look at people that are talking about their experiences in Vancouver over the last year, there is an increase even in that anecdotal information. So I can only imagine if we had more calls reported because there's a whole issue of we're having a 40% decrease in calls because people are hanging up. What would our stats look like then? Because this is what we have right now, and it's showing double digit increases with the information that has been reported to us.
0: Okay, when you talk about those dramatic increases that you just outlined there, are you talking, are we just talking about the downtown east side or some of these troubled neighborhoods, or are we talking across the whole city? Yeah.
3: No, that's so the mention, the the stats that I just said are for the whole COV right now. I'm not even looking at neighborhoods. So if I were to look at downtown, there's weeks when I would report a 56% increase in violence. So I'm not even dissecting it by neighborhood. I'm looking just at the raw numbers of incidents reported for July and August of 2022 compared to 2021. That's representing the city of Vancouver. All neighborhoods, all different districts that the police department encompasses. So that's why it's not something that we should be ignoring.
0: Speaking to Arazous Arabian senior crime analyst, Vancouver Police Department, uh, when we talk about some of the problems in, in, in the city, let's talk about uh, the sex assaults that you, you described there in the increase area. That's a disturbing one. Can you go a little deeper on that? Like, what's happening there?
3: So we have seen a greater number of people reporting sex assaults um, into on the street and unprovoked. What wow. I'd like to differentiate is when I was the analyst in District 1, which encompasses the Granville Entertainment District, We would see, you know, on a weekend, an increase in sexual assaults reported because there would be inappropriate touching, unwanted kissing, uh, grave uh, heinous type sexual assaults. Sure, that would be reported as well. But what we're seeing now, it's not just encompassing the weekend activities where you can blame it on, you know, the bar life or the nightlife. It's actually individuals walking on the street, um, being inappropriately touched, having their um, body parts, you know, slapped or groped. so that's the increase we're seeing, and it's, it goes a little bit with the narrative of the unprovoked stranger assaults that we've been seeing arise in citywide.
0: Yeah, and this is an issue that is top of mind for many people in the, in the city right now. When we take, and you got a city that's trying to respond to it, so there's lots of talk about we need more housing, we need more mental health services, we need more addiction services. When you take a look at some of these crime trends Specifically, where they can be traced to, like some of the downtown east side SRO hotels, is that is there a lot of problems coming out of these facilities or these ho- these SROs?
3: So I'm glad you touched on that, Mike. One thing that we noticed um, in downtown Vancouver was when you repurpose hotels and turn them into SROs. So we had two incidents like that that happened in the last two years we had the howard johnson that was repurposed for sro model type of housing and then we had the ramada that was repurposed and this is just downtown vancouver i'm not even talking about the other neighborhoods that had this happen in the last two years what individuals are not realizing is this is not a housing issue if you don't take care of the vulnerable that are in these housing units and you're not providing them the care and the complex care needed for a certain percentage of them and the trauma and treatment needed so you're just encouraging first of all predatory behavior because these individuals are preyed upon this is one of the reasons you're having the tent city right now in the downtown east side a lot of those individuals have housing units and sros they simply do not want to live in there especially females, their likelihood of being victimized within an SRO unit is twice as high than being on the street. Also, if you're trying to get out of that cycle of violence and drug abuse, you cannot live in an SRO when on your floor, there's probably two to three known drug dealers that will be knocking on your door trying to sell you drugs. So this model has failed because it does not give you any care. And individuals who need the care are being given a key and a room and saying, here you go, take care of yourself. Well, that's not how you solve this problem. And in fact, what's happening in downtown Vancouver is the predatory behaviors now come to these hotels to prey upon these individuals. But it's also opened the whole city now because they're if they can't prey upon the individuals in the sro they're going to look at that mom with the stroller that isn't used to having to look over her shoulder and they're going to uh, assault that person or they're going to look at the senior that's walking and push them down so that's what we we're not focusing on is the predatory behavior that's being increased all over
0: thank you for coming on today appreciate your time
3: thank you very much mike
0: Okay. Here we go now with the move to Alberta ad campaign. You have almost certainly heard one of these ads over the last several weeks. They're everywhere. Move to Alberta. There's no sales tax. You can buy a house for 350000 bucks in Calgary. There are lots of well-paying jobs. Who's running these ads? Well, It's the government of Alberta, of course, $2.6 million. That's how much they're spending on this campaign. That buys a lot of airtime. In fact, I I heard one of the ads just in the last commercial break right here on the show. I've got Ravi Kalon standing by, BC's Minister of Jobs here. He's pushing back on this campaign. First, have a listen to one of the ads here. Now, this is the one one that really kind of jumped out at me when I heard this one. I thought, you know, this could be effective for some people. Have a listen to this ad.
4: Hey Vancouver, I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd leave you and move to Edmonton, but I had this great job opportunity, so I came here in 2019, and so far I've been pleasantly surprised. The people here are friendly and helpful, the food scene is amazing, there's plenty of stuff to do, and I bought my first house for just over 400000 which is kind of like a cherry on top.
0: Okay, you know, I always laughed when he said he's been pleasantly surprised that people are friendly and there's stuff to do. But it was the kicker at the end there, a $400,000 detached house in Edmonton, right? This is the one where people hear that and they think, man, I don't know, maybe there's something to that move to Alberta idea. Why is the government of Alberta doing that? Well, they're trying to stem the flow of people going the other way. There were more people moving from Alberta to BC in the last few per- period here, but they're trying to get the flow going in the other direction let's discuss it now with my guest ravi Kalon, bc's minister of jobs and economic recovery ravi thank you for coming on today
4: hey mike uh, thanks for having
0: me okay what do you think of these ad campaign this ad campaign because i think they're actually pretty effective like what do you think when you hear them
4: well uh you know they, they say Alberta's calling bc's been calling for some time now and as you highlighted last year we had a net fourteen thousand people move from alberta to british columbia and so, you know, I, I appreciate uh, the Alberta government, you know, freaking out a little bit because they're losing people uh, fast. Uh, and in this need of uh, this need in our economy to have people, uh, it's vitally important that you continue to attract people. And so I suspect they'll see uh, some numbers increasing for them. Um, but, you know, our, our view in British Columbia has been you create a strong economy, you have good paying opportunities uh, and and people will come, and, and it's been it's been working for British Columbia for the last uh, three four years for sure.
0: Okay, so you think that this shows the Alberta government is kind of like freaking out a little bit, as you put it? Why do you think they're freaking out?
4: Well, just net fourteen thousand lost just to BC. That's not even the other yeah. provinces. Uh, that's a big thing. I mean, British Columbia. Last year, we had net hundred thousand people come to British Columbia. Now, majority of that was from uh, other provinces. And that's a record since 1962 when we started collecting the data. This year, the first two quarters of this year were already at 70,000. So we're actually surpassing the record-breaking last year with this year. So, you know, I think all provinces are trying to attract talent. All provinces are trying to attract uh, good skills uh, for their economy. And Alberta has been struggling for the last few years. and, uh, And, you know, fortunately for us, we've been doing fairly well.
0: Do you think it's fair for the government of Alberta to do this, to spend, you know, over $2 million to run these saturation ads saying, hey, move out to, forget about B.C., move, out, move here instead? What do you think of that? Do you think that's a, what do you think, that does that pass the good neighbor policy test? Well,
4: uh, you know, to be honest, I, I'm happy they're spending their dollars in B.C. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, supporting our radio stations and our newspapers. I think that's a, that's a great thing. But reality is they need to look inwards and say, why are people leaving? Uh, you know, I, I would argue and I heard from some uh, that handling of the pandemic was certainly one, Uh, you know, protection for workers. I mean, they don't have paid sick leave for workers there. You get sick, you know, you're you're out on your own and a whole host of other uh, factors, I think, that play. So um I think they need to look internally and. You know, quite frankly, what we've learned through the pandemic, certainly uh, other provinces have learned as well, is that if, if every province is just going after each other, we're not going to be successful. You know, the pandemic showed us that when every province is doing well, the country does well, and we all rise along with it. And and that's certainly our view here in British Columbia, is we're not going to be snipping away and trying to take people from other provinces. We've been trying to just put our good best foot forward and, of course, trying to attract good talent from international uh, oh. uh, overseas and, and it's been working.
0: Okay, so your government is not going to run a reciprocal campaign in Alberta saying move to BC.
4: No, we're not. We're not planning on it. Uh, like I said, uh, be, people have been already moving to British yeah. Columbia. We right. appreciate that. We welcome them. But uh, we're not we're not going to be running the campaigns. But hey, it's great. I, I love hearing the ads on CKW every time Alberta invests a dollar in BC. It's a good thing. <laughs>
0: okay, all right. I spoke to Jason Kenny about this issue on the show recently. Of course, the Alberta Premier just just been replaced by Danielle Smith, the incoming new Premier there next door in Alberta. But here is what Kenny had to say to me about this ad campaign, why they're doing it, and why he thinks it, it's working. And you'll hear him talk here specifically about the cost of housing, and I'll get your thoughts. Jason Kenny. You can really improve your uh, standard of living uh, by coming to the uh, fastest-growing economy in Canada with the lowest taxes. You know, the average detached uh, house in the greater Vancouver region, I think you'd know better than me, is, is bounces around $1.2 million right now. In Calgary, yeah. it's like 400 k and Edmonton's like 350 uh, k yeah. See, that's the one... I think really gets people's attention when they hear they could go there and buy a detached home for $350,000. How do you fight back against that messaging Ravi?
4: Well, well, Mike, what I would say is that um, that is not new. Uh, You know, Uh, people have known that for some time and they're still losing people. And so it goes to the core issue that Alberta has, which is they got to figure out why people are leaving. Um, And, uh, and I'm not going to make any suggestions on that. People can decide for themselves, Our focus has been on British Columbia and no doubt housing is is affordability is a challenge. We know that. We continue to see people come here. It's putting more pressure on housing. We need to get more supply online uh, fast. Uh, And so, you know, we're doing our piece to try to address that issue. Um, But we also know that there's fantastic opportunities here for people. Uh, our economy is very diverse. We're not focused on just a few sectors. And all the things um, that come with that um, are obviously what's attracting people from all over the world.
0: Yeah. Would you admit, though, that when the Alberta government argues that the cost of living is cheaper in Alberta, whether it's housing? I mean, they have no sales tax. They're right about that, right? I mean, it's It's cheaper to live there. The cost of living is lower.
4: Well, uh, the, the cost of housing is certainly lower. Well, I'm talking, about, um, again, I'm talking
0: about the cost of housing and everything else, including the, the tax burden here in British Columbia compared to Alberta.
4: Well, Mike, uh, what I would say is that there's a reason why people have left Alberta and come to British Columbia. And, and we've got a whole host of other things uh, and supports for people, safety nets, which I think we all really, really appreciate when, uh, when we fall. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, great education and all of those things that go with it. And so, you know, again, the numbers speak for themselves. We continue to attract people. I wish Alberta the best in their campaigns, uh, but I think beyond advertising, they got to look beyond that and say, what is the challenge? Why are people leaving? And, and certainly uh-huh. hoping the new premier does it.
0: Speaking to BC Jobs Minister Ravi Kalon about Alberta's move to Alberta ad campaign, here's something else that jason kenny said to me on a a recent show minister for your thoughts so here he is making the point that we just touched on this about the cost of living in alberta compared to bc and how he argues people could be dramatically better off in their savings their financial well-being here's what he had to say to me then i'll get your thoughts jason kenny we've calculated that that a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar a year worker in um... vancouver could move
2: to Calgary, and over 10 years, they are $400,000 better off.
0: That is life-changing, especially if people can't afford to get a rent an apartment or buy a house in the first place. Okay, are you buying what he's selling there, like when he says, okay, let's say you're making 125000 bucks a year, obviously a terrific salary to make. If you're living in Vancouver, compare that to someone in Calgary. If you're living in Calgary with the lower cost of housing primarily, that after ten years, you'd have another four hundred grand in your pocket in Calgary. You buying that?
4: Uh, I'm not necessarily buying that. Um, again, the former premier uh, was making the case for people to uh, to come to Alberta. I think the new premier, who's uh, only a few uh, days into her role. Uh, We'll have to show people that they are more than just advertising campaigns, that they're going to put in protections for workers. They're going to invest in the things that especially young families care about, good education. uh, They want to make sure that people are, you know, the jurisdictions that they're raising their kids in have all the things that they want. And and so that's on the new premier. Um, Again, I appreciate that the former premier was doing his best on the last days of, of his job to try to get some people back to Alberta. Uh, And uh, but you know we're going to continue to do what we do in British Columbia, which is put all the pieces in place to have the strongest economy and 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 continue to attract uh, people from all over the world to come here.
0: Minister, thank you for your time today.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Stay safe.
0: All right. It's BC versus Alberta here. I thought it was interesting to hear the BC Employment Minister there pushing back against that Alberta ad campaign. Come on over to Alberta. No sales tax. You can buy a house for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Lauren in Richmond. Hi, Lauren. What do you think?
4: Hey, I, I think uh, I think the minister's out, out to lunch. You probably couldn't find Alberta on the map, but hey, okay, I work for an Alberta company living here in BC. I've uh, been checking out real estate in Edmonton, just outside Edmonton. I can get a three bedroom, two bath, detached shop workshop for three hundred and sixty will basically be mortgage free. Gas isn't two fifty a liter out there, and groceries yeah. are comparable. So it really is
5: not it is an old
4: as far as you know. Yeah, BC bring cash. It's it's done. It's done out here, and the people moving from Alberta back to British Columbia were already living here. They moved out. They moved out to Alberta for the boom. Why? British why are you? Li- why
0: are you? Li- why are you living here? Why are you living here then? If Alberta is so great, uh, I'm thinking of moving there. You're thinking of moving to Alberta. Absolutely. Okay, you you ready to freeze your butt off all winter there? Hey, I'm out there every week anyhow, so it doesn't really matter. Okay, all right. Okay, Lauren, thank you for the call. Let's go to some more of your calls. Peter in Delta. Hi, Peter, what do you think?
5: Hey, Michael, I think we should run some ads in Alberta ourselves saying basically that if you can't afford a house for $1.4 million, if you can't afford uh, to rent a house for $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom or $3,000 a month for a two-bedroom house, uh, don't come to British Columbia, otherwise you'll be living on the downtown east side with a tent. So I think we should run some ads there and and be selective of who comes here.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you for that. Well, I don't think I don't think they'll be running those ads. Rob and Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. What do you think? Hi. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Hey, i was just going to say uh,
6: I I I think the ad campaign by uh, the the province of Alberta and the government there I think it's brilliant.
0: Uh, yeah. I I do live. Obviously, I do live in British Columbia. But I'll tell you, my wife has two outdoor forest schools in Chilliwack. Retaining Uh-oh. staff is a problem. She just had a young a young lady and her uh, spouse. They just moved. She's actually moved here from Japan five years ago. Guess what? They packed up. You know where they moved? They moved to Edmonton. And yeah. why? Because you can buy a house for under four hundred grand. So yeah. yeah, I think I think it's a good move. And I don't. I think Ravi Kalon. Mm. Sorry, man. I I think it probably is cheaper there. You know so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can argue with it. Thank you for that. Like no sales tax, price, price of gas, price of housing. How is it not cheaper? But you know, the minister he'll play the Trump card there, like he did. That well, take a look at the in migration rates. There's more people coming here than going the other way. Despite all that, Jennifer and Towson, hi. Hi, Mike.
3: Hi. I just wanted to say that you know, Mike. My daughter, her husband, and my grandkids live in Edmonton. Well, they live west. They live in Spruce Grove, which is 20 minutes west of Edmonton. And they're from here. They Mm -hmm. went there to, you know, to live and work. And uh, they're in their second new home that they have built themselves. And if they came here, they wouldn't even be able to afford a condo, like, in Tawafin. So why wouldn't they stay there? And, you know... Uh, Alberta has the most sunshine of any province in in uh, Canada, and it might be cold in the winter, but it is sunny.
0: Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, okay. Jason. Jason Kennedy said the same thing to me that they get more sunshine in Alberta than they do in BC. Um, so you know, when you're breaking your back shoveling the snow, at least the sun's shining. Robert in Kelowna. Hi, Robert. What do you think?
4: Uh well I moved from Saskatchewan last June and before I moved here I weighed out some options of you know, I used to live in Alberta as well, did the Port McMurray thing and all that. Um, but I found even before I moved here, I had an employee of mine who actually moved from Langley to to uh Saskatchewan and Regina and he, he weighed out the costs the costs equal or uh, close to equal at that time. But I when I found to move here that some things taxes are cheaper and some things, like uh, my my uh, property tax is cheaper uh, for mm. the same equal, equal house I have, what I had in uh, Saskatchewan, except for it was a little close to the lake. But, um, but what I find Sir, here, long story short, is, is the uh, taxes of, uh, like, uh, personal taxes on everything. Like, you know, you buy the carbon tax. You add yeah. the UC carbon tax. You add the utility costs are, are higher. Um,
0: thank you, Ro- thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. hate to step on you there just in the interest of time. Appreciate your call, though. All right, let's talk about the Vancouver Police Officers Union wading into Vancouver's political battles now. The union for Vancouver Police Officers usually stays politically neutral during elections, not this time. Election day is this Saturday. Check this out now. The Police Officers Union has, for the very first time, they've now endorsed a candidate for mayor. They're taking some heat for it, too. Some critics saying the public needs to have full confidence in that police officers are objective and neutral in the performance of their duties. And when their union actually endorses a political candidate, it compromises that. Got an awesome panel standing by to discuss this for you. Got both sides of it here. Have a listen to this here first. Now, this is Ralph Kaisers. He is the president of the Vancouver Police Officers Union. I talked to him about this on an earlier show. And he said, look, the union went into this knowing there could be some controversy over it. They said they went into it very, very carefully in deciding how to do this. Here's what he told me. Have a listen.
5: It is time for us to get more involved. Uh, I know various other unions uh, that work for the city, uh, you know, most other unions actually endorse candidates. Uh, so, you know, we're taking a very measured approach to who we're endorsing.
0: Okay, so he points out that other unions do it too, so why not the police officers' union? They have endorsed Ken Sim for mayor in Vancouver. Let's discuss it now. Both sides of it for you. Rob Rothwell is former inspector of the Vancouver Police Department, and I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Hey, Rob, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you, Mike. Also on the line is Sean Orr. Sean is a political columnist for Scout Magazine. He's running for Vancouver City Council on Saturday. Hey, Sean, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, thank you to both of you. Rob Rothwell, let me go to you first. What do you think of this this action by the Vancouver Police Officers Union to endorse a candidate for mayor?
5: Hey, thanks, Mike. Well, first of all, I just want to make it clear that I don't actually speak for the VPU or the Vancouver Police Union. I'm just offering my insight and thoughts here. And, uh, And I can state uh, in a a general sense that I support the principle of the separation of church and state, or in this case, church and law enforcement. But also, uh, you know, I feel that uh, the the, the social issues have become so severe that are facing the police and the public in this city that uh, that I actually am in favor of the union in a very measured way, as Ralph pointed out. Uh, allowing the public a little more insight into what they're facing and uh, and what the candidates have to say about those circumstances and you know if you look at uh, the process undertaken by the Vancouver Police Union in in reaching this endorsement it was a very public open and transparent process in which they uh, they examined uh, the platforms of the various uh, candidates Uh, they circulated a questionnaire around safety and security to the candidates and furthermore, they held an open forum with all the candidates to discuss it. So, you know, there's nothing hidden here. There's no, in my view, no hidden agenda. And I don't think the union is telling anyone how to vote. All they're simply doing is trying to express what where they see the greatest value within the, the candidates that are running for mayor.
0: Okay. Sean Orr, what do you think?
6: Um, it's interesting that you mentioned the separation of church and state um, because in this country we have a separation of the executive and the judicial and what we're seeing is the armed wing of the judicial interfering in elections it's, it's unprecedented for a very good reason um secondly you mentioned transparency and that questionnaire i never received that questionnaire um and i also wasn't invited to the all candidates um uh, meeting not that i think that the alternative meeting should even exist in the first place um so you, you also mentioned um, other unions. So the Vancouver Police Union isn't actually a union. It is not part of the labor movement. It's not part of the B.C. Fed, nor is any police force in the country part of the Canadian Labor Congress. In fact, the police were invented to crush labor. Uh, look, up, look up Ginger Goodwin. Look up the battle for Ballantyne Pier. Um, they're not a real union. Real unions represent workers. The VPU represents the employer.
5: Uh oh, they, that's absolutely go, incorrect. go ahead,
0: Rob. Go ahead, Rob. Uh,
5: uh, uh, I mean that's entirely incorrect. Um the Vancouver Police Union is a labor organization. It is not an accredited police department, it has has no uh formal uh connection with the police department. They're independent bodies and it's it is a labor union. Uh that's very clear. Are,
0: yeah, <laughs> and go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Sean.
6: So, yeah, they're a professional association, much like the Toronto Police, um, Police Association. So they're, they're very different from a union. They're an association, um, much more like a lobby group than than a union. Um, the Toronto Police, speaking of them, are they are not allowed to um, um, endorse candidates either, and for for good reason. So uh, other other professional associations, for example, they will censure their members when they are found in breach of the public trust. A lawyer will be disbarred, for example. Um, the Vancouver Police Union, in mm-hmm. fact, protects their 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 members from any sort of scrutiny or any sort of public oversight. Um, refuses to cooperate in in, in investigations such okay. as the death of Miles Gray.
0: Okay, let me. I Rob, I know you want to respond to that, but let me play another clip here for you first from Ralph Kaisers, who is the president of the Police Officers Union, and you'll hear him describe here why he felt it was time for the union to get involved in the political process here, endorse a candidate because he said the issues are just so important, especially around the budget for the police department. So here's what he had to say to me, and then I'll get both of your thoughts here. Ralph Kaisers.
5: They're suffering. Uh, you know, our members are on the verge of uh, being burnt out, and we we need help. We need help from the city and specifically city council uh, when it comes time to budget time because we do need more people. We, you know, we're, we're at the resourcing levels that we were backed Pre-Olympics, like I know, I've said this a number of times on your show, but you know, yeah. our, our resourcing levels are that of you know, two thousand and nine.
0: Okay, so he makes the argument, Rob, that the issues are are so big and they go, they're so central to the operation of this police force that they just felt it was right for them to to weigh in on it, and you know, they've endorsed Ken Sim, who's promised to hire a bunch more police officers. Do you think that's a valid argument, that the, the situation right now is the issues in front of this city are directly in, impact the interests of this union and these police officers at their right to get involved? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I,
5: I, I frankly, I do, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the Vancouver Police Union is advocating, obviously, on, on behalf of its members, but also, if you listen to what Ralph is saying, he's advocating on behalf of the citizens of this city and, and informing the citizens of the city on what the situation is, what they're facing, and uh, the challenges the police are facing, which are the same challenges that the other or that all of uh, uh, of the city residents are facing, and the various organizations that uh, are also involved in supporting and uh, working toward uh, you know dealing with addiction and things like that so You know, it is true that the Vancouver police officers, I know for a fact that they are uh, working uh, almost every day, including their days off. Um, They are being driven hard and uh, there's very little time to recover for them. And so it is quite appropriate that Rolf begins to advocate for those officers. And in doing so also, you know, is presenting to the public really a clear picture of what the situation is in order that the public can make some informed decision when it comes time to vote.
6: Okay, Sean Orr. Uh, The police already have extreme power in the city. um, And when asked to freeze, not cut, freeze a budget during a pandemic in which all other departments of the city took a cut, the police went to the police board and complained. And an undemocratically elected uh, RCMP officer said, no, you must reinstate that freeze. And they returned all that money. Um, they already have power. I'm not sure why they need more power. Um, but, but you mentioned a couple of interesting things about social issues and, yeah. and addiction. Um, so the police, when asked for a line-by-line budget of, of their expenses, said they only uh, needed $280 to police poverty. Um, so, but then Wayne Rideout said that they needed the millions of dollars. So you can't have both. It can't be both okay. things. So, uh, and, and the police have said they don't want to police mental health and addictions. So then why are they defunding other organizations that want to do that? Why are they blocking those alternatives, the people that are already on the ground that are dealing with those situations?
0: All right. Welcome back to our great debate here. Should the Vancouver Police Officers Union stay out of politics? Sean or Rob Rothwell are my guests. Right to your phone calls. Mary in Vancouver. Hi, Mary. What do you think?
5: Oh, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Well, I agree with Sean. I think the police union should stay out of politics but i'm really happy they they did that because now i know who not to vote for we have a sad history of the police being agents of the government and i don't think anybody ever thinks we'll go back there but i just think it's was a bad bad move on their part they're a great union they look after their their members and they should stick to that thank you
0: okay thank you for the call rob what do you say to her
5: Well, I think they are trying to look after their members and uh, look after the community as well. So I think their intent is honourable. This is something new that hasn't been done in the past. They are not in the business of becoming political in any sense. And furthermore, they're not telling anybody who to vote for. All they're doing is putting some cards on the table that align, I think, with uh, uh, what the police are trying to achieve in the way of public safety in the city.
0: Sean, what do you say to that?
6: Uh, I just say that uh, this issue is drawing... condemnation from across the political spectrum it's not just um the left wing that are upset about this um conservatives are very upset about this um as well because it's unprecedented and it's unprecedented for a reason um for example my uncle is a lawyer and uh you know died in the world conservative and and he's expressing extreme
0: concern over this uh so yeah okay richard on the line in vancouver hi richard go ahead
2: i agree with uh the previous caller i think that the police uh, department in vancouver need, needs to stay apolitical ken sim is promising in this city to cure everything from acne to zebra phobia and i think he just bought the police department with the promise of jobs i think every candidate mayor candidate in the city thinks that there's a problem in the downtown east side and a big problem and i don't think ken sim is the only person that has a progressive idea how to solve that problem and i think again you know, for Mr. Sim, to who has never gone to a public hearing. I've gone to a lot of public hearings in this city over the last 20 years. I've never seen Mr. Sim do a, a presentation at a public hearing. I've never seen him do a, a, a submission on any rezoning or important issue in this city. And all of a sudden, okay. he wants to get to the front of the line and be mayor. I think the citizens of Vancouver be be, be really careful on this one. And be careful for what you vote for, because it just might okay.
0: get it. Platitude. Thanks. Thank you, Richard. Squeeze another call in here. Greg in Kelowna. Hi, Greg. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, hey there. Uh, I'm sort of uh, just
2: thinking of the beginning of law and order when you've got, like, the police are one arm and, uh, you know, the pro- those who prosecute are another arm. And I'm thinking uh, just uh, without overthinking it at all that those two parties should not be involved in the politics. And also just to say that they're not suggesting who to vote for, that seems pretty counterintuitive comment i just heard
0: there okay rob what do you, what do you say to that? like i think rob you made that point that they're not the police officers union they've endorsed ken sim aren't they effectively saying go ahead and we encourage you to vote for him." they're not saying it in so many words but isn't that the effect of an endorsement
5: well i i think what they're doing is is uh... putting on uh, the cards on the table that align with uh... the efforts of the police department in terms of public safety and it really is up to the uh, public to decide whether or not they support uh, that endorsement, and whether or not they support Ken Sim. I don't think that this is any attempt to manipulate uh, the vote of, of uh, our citizens. It's uh, more information for them to make an informed decision. John.
6: Yeah, it's just it's really burning because you know what if I get arrested and how you know what's to say that I'm not targeted because I want to you know defund the police you know or what's what's stopping police from just not upholding certain laws because they disagree with them, you know, and this is what happened with the CBSA, uh, our, sorry, the, the border, yeah, the border services agency, they, they they kind of went on strike and stopped enforcing laws because they disagreed with the political decision, right? We, we count on the police to be impartial for this very reason.
0: Squeeze another call in Richard in Vancouver. Did we talk to Richard already? A de- Dev in Vancouver. Hi, Dev. Go ahead. My, I'm glad
5: the police board uh, made a recommendation because people like your guest, Sean, and his, and people like him, they love to use the police as a punching bag. Oh, they're so bad. They're this, they're that. And, Sean, I'd like to ask you, was the communications budget cut during the pandemic? I know the police budget, they tried to cut the police budget. Just a simple yes or no, please.
0: I don't know.
6: It's a red
0: herring. Okay, Sean, we're just about out of time. I want to give, I'll give you both 30 seconds each here to sum up. Uh, Rob Rothwell, you go ahead. 30 seconds.
5: Sure. Uh, You know, uh, it is unprecedented for um, the Vancouver Police Union to make an endorsement uh, of a candidate. But as I mentioned before, you know, the, the, the circumstances are so severe in this city, there have been such yeah. great failings uh, that we all need to come together and figure out what is the best solution and what is the way forward. And I think that the Vancouver Police Union is is uh, sincerely trying to make sure that the public really has the information they need, uh, okay. like an unvarnished uh, uh, vision of what's happening here.
0: Sean, you get the last word. Go ahead. Yeah,
6: absolutely. At $800 a minute, 20, 20% of the city budget, Um, The police are doing exactly that. They're blocking those alternatives. They're blocking um, the real
0: alternative
6: um, to this crisis, and it is a crisis, and we can agree on
0: that. Um, Okay. Thank you. I hate to step on you. We're out of time. I want to thank both of you, though, for a really good discussion.